Welcome to the Elephant Dialogues. Today I've got Ken Nakaya with me to talk about LGBTQ stories, and specifically his story. As we continue our experiment in better conversations, my framework for this episode is gratitude. I think gratitude is this magical thing that can very quickly make us humble and respectful, especially when things might otherwise get tense. And I love this one because it's one of the easiest to remember. Sometimes, as I've been studying how to improve our conversations, it gets a little overwhelming trying to remember all of the theories and concepts, thinking that I have to remember each one while carrying on a conversation. It's a lot. But gratitude is one that, if you forget everything else, just go back to this, and it'll improve any conversation you're having. You know who's a great example of this? Beth March in Little Women. Now, growing up, my siblings and I always fought between watching Star Wars and Little Women, so I would never admit to my sisters that my wife and I watched Little Women recently and just openly wept. Beth has got to be one of the purest characters ever written, and part of that is just because she's so grateful all the time. Getting into a heated conversation with her would be impossible. So if we can learn some of that gratitude, I think we can improve our own conversations. The other cool thing about gratitude is that it doesn't require you to admit defeat or that the other person is right, which means we can use it even if we disagree passionately. We can simply say, well, look, I know we might disagree about some of this, but I really appreciate you sharing your view with me. You've given me a lot to think about. In this particular conversation, it's not even that we disagree necessarily because I'm really just interested in hearing Ken's story and understanding his experiences. But this is a really personal, private topic for anyone, so I'm extremely grateful to him for being willing to come and do this with me and share his story. That takes courage. Hope you enjoy. America has developed a culture of contempt, a habit of seeing people who disagree with us, not merely as incorrect or misguided, but as worthless. We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together. It was an opportunity to practice empathy. There's a huge empathy deficit in our culture. We don't need to disagree less. We need to disagree better. With what our President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Okay, well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Why don't you just start by kind of telling me your story? My story? As briefly or as in detail as you'd like. Okay, (laughs) well, so for my story, I guess, I realized that, started to realize that I was attracted to men. Um, When I was in, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade, but it wasn't something that I'd ever heard anybody Mm. talk about, like Mm -hmm. homosexuality or same-sex attraction, or whatever you want to call it. I'd never heard anybody talk about it before in my life, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. So I didn't even know what I was feeling. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't know who I could talk to or how to talk about it. Um, and I don't think it was until probably my junior or senior year that I talked to a friend about it, just kind of like really casually, like, I don't know what's going on with uh. my life. Like, this is this thing in my life. Um, so that was like a lot of years, right? Was it scary or was it just weird? Like, I would say it was more confusing okay. than it was scary or weird. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have suspected anybody would be verbally aggressive and harassing or mm. violent towards me until I came home from my mission okay. and started to make more friends and realized that there are terrible people in the world. Yeah. But it was more so a confusing and I just don't know what is going on with me because mm-hmm. nobody's ever talked about this right. in my life before. Yeah. All growing up, I was taught about 
chastity and, and, and being and, clean. And, yeah. But that was all in relation to women. And I was just like, okay, well, like, I just don't understand that. Because, like, <laughs> sure, I have a crush, but I think most of my crushes growing up were like, that girl's cute. She's fun to talk to. Like, that's probably the crush. Mm. But was I actually attracted to them? I don't really know, and I don't think I mean, so. Teenage years are confusing enough, just trying to figure all that out anyway. <laughs> I, right? I know, right? <laughs> I don't but think yeah. anybody knows what's going on. Yeah, so a lot of the time it was just like, I don't know what's, what's going on here. Where was this? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Idaho Falls. Okay. Yeah, born and raised. Parents still live in the same house, been there for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So. And but. you grew up LDS? Or, or I did. Okay. So my dad converted back in 89. Okay. And my mom, she grew up in the church. So you mentioned getting home from your mission, and is that kind of when we met? Because we met in college. Yeah, we, we met my first team. year. Um, my first year at BYU is when we met. Okay. I did a year of school at Weber State before my mission. Okay. And that's really kind of when I stepped into this, okay, I'm attracted to men. Mm-hmm. That's really when I really kind of recognized that, and for the first time, kind of spoke about it with like my bishop and then just a few other close friends that mm-hmm. I had made throughout that school year. But it wasn't something that I was comfortable with yet. Yeah, was that a big deal for you to face that directly and, and be comfortable with that? It took a very long time. Yeah. So I started school at Weber State in fall of 2010. And it was through my experiences over that year at Weber State that I started to kind of at least get a little bit of a groundwork mm-hmm. um, of who I was. But then I went on my mission, and actually, I didn't tell my family until I was at the MTC. I wrote a letter home to them. So that's when you like officially came out to your family? That's when I officially came out to my family, was through a letter while I was at the MTC. <laughs> Um, I actually had one of my older brothers was at the MTC with me, mm-hmm. and he was the first person in my family I told. We one night at the MTC, I pulled him aside into like a janitor's closet or something, <laughs> so I could talk privately with him, and just was like, "Hey, like, so there's this thing that I've been trying to figure out, and has been a part of my life, but like, I'm attracted to men, and I still don't really understand it." But, I mean, I'm here on my mission and I I want to serve. Mm -hmm. I want to share this part of my life that is really important to me and has brought me happiness. And and we hugged and he talked to me for a bit. I don't really remember what he said, but I know that he he loved me and that he supported me. Cool. And that was was huge. Yeah, I was going to say, is that really, really important? Um, Looking back on it now, seeing how my family has reacted and how they've loved me even though sometimes it's really frustrating when the topic comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always been supportive. And that's something that I've been really grateful for because I have friends and I know people who don't have that kind of support in yeah. their family. Yeah. But yeah, it's still a touchy subject for me with my family, particularly with my mother. She just wants to understand or know where she went wrong mm. or how she could have done better for me. Mm -hmm. And I just try to remind her that it's not anything that she did. It's just a part of who I am. And 
then a lot of the time she asks a question and I'm just like, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> like I'm figuring that out for myself. Yeah. I imagine that's pretty common. Do you have like advice for families who are talking about this? Are there, are there good ways to talk about it? Are there things they should avoid? I think the, the biggest thing that families can do is just show that you support your brother, your sister, mm-hmm. your son, your daughter, whoever it may be. Just show that you, or mother or father even, because mm-hmm. that happens too. Yeah. Just show that you support them and that you might not understand everything that they're going through or experiencing, but treat them with the respect that you would and the love that you would show anybody else in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, show them that they're still a part of your family, that they still matter, and that they're an important piece of your family. Because I think that the experiences that we go through individually can strengthen and teach and help those that are close to us and those that are around us, whether that be our family or our friends. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy talking about my story um, with my friends or the experiences I go through is because I know the things that I go through, though a lot of my friends can't directly relate, they can at least learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, a lot of the time, the thing that I hope that they learn is that the LGBT community is just another part of their life. It's the people that they love mm-hmm. and that by showing support is, um, they can really change the world. Where are you at now? Like figuring all of, all of this out? Are you more comfortable with it? I am completely comfortable with it. Um, How does that feel? It's incredibly um, relieving to know that I can be who I am and I can love who I want to and I don't have to fear for my own safety a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I say a lot of the time because I know that there are those people out there and I've just gone through another experience um, with someone in my life who has treated me incredibly poorly for me just being who I am. And it hurt and it was one of the few times in my life that I feared for my emotional and mental safety and stability mm-hmm. um, in, in regards to my um, orientation. But because it happened recently, the last six years that I've been here making friends and building relationships, those are the things that helped to get me through the experience. Just having people having, that were steady enough to lean on? Yeah, having close friends that I've had for years. And, and the rela- those relationships mean the world to me because they've shown and proven time and time again that they love me for who I am. Not necessarily because I'm different or something like that, but they really love me for who I am. And yeah, I'm attracted to men and that's a little bit different from the culture that we live in, but it doesn't matter because I'm still a human being and I'm still an important person for myself and for them. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter that I'm different in this way. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned? Just, <laughs> that's a big question. But like, <laughs> that's a really big question. <laughs> trying to figure all this out in, in the years 
10, 15 years that you've been figuring this out and now being comfortable with it and having at least that weight off, like what's one of the lessons maybe that you've learned? I guess one lesson I've learned is that, well, like for me, so I'm gay and that's something that I understand for myself. For other men who are like me, who are attracted to men and are gay, I completely understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. But other members of the LGBT community, like transgender, some of the other um, people in the LGBT community, I don't understand how they feel. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes how I feel straight, heterosexual people, friends, <laughs> <laughs> can be sometimes. Is They're like, okay, I don't understand where you're coming from. They mm-hmm. say that to me. But for me, it's like, even within the LGBT community, I don't understand where some of them are coming from, mm-hmm. but I understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And by loving and accepting myself for who I am and sharing that love and acceptance and support for those around me and those in the community, um, it just goes to show that there's, there's strength in coming together, mm. in helping one another and supporting one another. Even when we can't completely understand. Even when we can't completely understand. Yeah. So one of my really good friends, we were talking if, like a week or two ago just about everything that we've been going through the last few months and him really helping me through this experience and this hatred and aggression that I felt from and had from this person, from this other person, Mm -hmm. not from my friend. But um, he said to me, you know, I still don't understand what you're going through or what members of the LGBT community are going through. But I know for a fact that Nobody deserves to be treated with hatred. Mm. Nobody deserves to fear for their own safety, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional. Nobody deserves that. Mm -hmm. People deserve to feel safe in their own home, to have a a place that they can be themselves, that they can bring their life to not only live, but to share. Mm -hmm. Um, And it made me, as strange as it sounds, it made me incredibly grateful for the that hatred and that aggression that had been kind of thrown my way. Hey guys, Bryson here from the future. I want to jump in and emphasize what Ken just said. I'm going to play it again. As strange as it sounds, it made me incredibly grateful um, for the that hatred and that aggression that had been kind of thrown my way. This is exactly the theme of this episode: gratitude. We can choose how we respond to any situation. And when things get hard, make a conscious effort and choose gratitude. It's a small trick, but it really can change everything. Guys, I'll be honest. When I was preparing this episode, I felt a little bad that the concept of gratitude was so simplistic. Last time in our abortion episode, we talked about motive attribution asymmetry, a fascinating concept with a great scientific sounding name. And there were times when I wondered if gratitude was too basic a concept, if people would really find it a valuable enough topic for a whole podcast episode. But then, over the weekend, I read the news of the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas, hot on the heels of another shooting in Gilroy, California. Then, I woke up on Sunday to read about Dayton, Ohio. And being completely honest again, I don't know what the answer is here. There are a lot of things I think could be done, and we're going to be talking about gun control in an upcoming episode. But for now, there's one thing I do know. These people who commit mass shootings are not grateful for our differences. Whether they feel threatened or insulted or rejected or angry or defensive, 
they don't feel grateful. After reading the news this weekend, I knew that this was the topic I wanted to talk about this week. Gratitude is such a simple idea, but by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. We need a great healing in this country. Let's start with choosing gratitude for our differences. I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. I doubt any of my listeners are white supremacists or terrorists. But if we start speaking more about being grateful for our differences, for our diversity, maybe that message can spread to those who need it. Let's testify about it in our churches, talk about it in our online discussions. And whenever we hear a comment about someone who's somehow different, let's be a voice for gratitude. That is the point I'm hoping to make with this week's episode. Okay, now let's get back to our conversation with Ken. As strange as it sounds, it made me incredibly grateful um, for the, the hatred and the aggression that had been kind of thrown my way. What do you mean? Because it was opening my friend's heart. Mm. He already, he already, he's already a good friend. He loves mm. me. He cares for me. He supports me. He's truly one of the most supportive people um, and the greatest people I've ever met. And I'll forever be grateful for him. But through the last few months, I know that his heart has been open even more to support the LGBT community. Because mm-hmm. he's supported me and he's seen how it's affected me. And he knows how difficult it was for me a lot of the time. And so the fact that he's seen that homophobic aggression and the hatred that can come from someone who harbors that... Mm-hmm. And how it affects not only people in the LGBT community, but their allies, their friends, and their support network. He knows that like nobody deserves to be treated like that just because of the way that they feel and they, yeah. the way that they choose to live. I think that's really cool. And I'm with you. Like I, I don't understand everything, and I certainly can't understand your situation completely. But if we can all just learn... To respect each other a little bit more and to love those that are different from us, no matter what that means, I think that's a powerful lesson, right? Yeah. What do people misunderstand most about you or about the LGBTQ community? What are some of the big misunderstandings that (laughs) you'd like to take this moment and clear up? Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The thing that bothers me the most... Or that's the most frustrating is that I feel that people just lump us like we're all these the same type of people. Yeah, into one acronym, right? LGBTQ. Yeah. You're in the LGBTQ community. That must mean you're this way. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the gay stereotype uh-huh. that we've seen in pop culture. Or I mean, yeah. if you right now were to just think of someone who's gay, you would you probably have. Uh, an idea in your head, an image of what you think a gay man looks like. Mm-hmm. But let me just tell you that that image that you have in your head, it's not necessarily wrong, but it is not the only thing. Right. That we come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. <laughs> uh-huh. That we come from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of ethnicities. And that our stories are all different. Mm. That we're all different and that we're all individuals too. Mm-hmm. And so... That's one thing that's really frustrating for me is meet people who just like first experience meeting me. Mm-hmm. I feel that sometimes they just kind of loop me into this bag of mixed goods. Like they already know everything about you yeah. and all of your motivations and story. Yeah. 
I am my own person. I've had my own experiences and I have even more so my own faith. Mm. Um, and just let me have my belief and my faith and live my life according to my belief. Mm-hmm. But don't tear it down. Don't try to mm-hmm. tear it down or tell me that it's wrong. And don't let me into this to this image that you have yeah. in your head because I know that I'm, I have a completely different understanding and belief on the whole outlook on life mm-hmm. than anybody else. Yeah. And I want to share my perspective. Um, and I want to live my perspective because I am me and I don't want to live someone else's life because that just sounds mm-hmm. like crap. Well, I think everybody's in that same boat. We're all just trying to figure out life, <laughs> right? And yeah. Nobody wants to... I mean, yeah, we're all just trying to figure it out. So if we could all just be a little more patient with each other as we, you know, stumble through. Do you mind if I ask you about your faith and yeah. what that means to you right now? So this is a interesting place for me right now. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. I believe that he is my father in heaven, and I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's my savior. And I also believe, but I don't just believe, I know that they love me and they want me to be happy in this life. And they want me to grow, to learn, to experience what everyone else gets to experience in life. Mm-hmm. You know, the amazing relationships that I get to build or the experiences I get to have. But at the same time, I'm attracted to men. And as of recently, I've decided to open myself up to a relationship mm-hmm. um, with a man to experience the kind of partnership and connection that my straight heterosexual friends mm-hmm. have in their marriages and or their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where it gets all gray area and confusing for me mm-hmm. and possibly for others. But ever since I was a kid, ever since I was young, I've been taught about how important families are mm-hmm. in God's plan and how important it is to have a family. And like my own family growing up, I'm so grateful for them. And they've helped me through so many things, even though they can be frustrating sometimes. That's family, right? <laughs> yeah. And now that I'm older and I've seen the families that my friends have, I guess my definition of a family has just expanded mm. or changed mm-hmm. because I've seen how the relationships, the marriages that my friends have, how they help them to grow, mm-hmm. how they learn together and they make mistakes together. Mm-hmm. And that's something I want for myself. And I want that for myself with someone that I'm attracted to. Yeah, Because I just feel there's, I don't know, there's, there's something in a relationship like that that I wouldn't be able to learn or to grow anywhere else mm-hmm. without a relationship like that. And so that's why I've chosen to walk the path that I currently am. I want to play a clip from a speech that M. Russell Ballard gave. Uh, for context, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and M. Russell Ballard is an apostle, one of the leaders in our church. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Certainly, we must do better than we have done in the past so that all members feel they have a spiritual home 
where their brothers and sisters love them and where they have a place to worship and serve the Lord. So my question is, how can, how can we do better at helping um, our LGBTQ friends feel more love, feel more um, that they have a place, whether it's at church or whether it's not at church, but in our lives at least, you know, how can we do better? Well, honestly, I think what Elder Ballard said is the most important part is you need to listen. Take the time to get to know them. Become their friend. Don't just listen to their story to listen to their story. Become their friend. See how their love and their perspective of the world can help you to love more, to grow closer to God and to to your Savior, to, I don't know, find strength in your own relationships. Hmm. There are things that that you just need to listen to um, from their perspective. And you don't have to understand all of it. You don't have to know the answer for everything that they have. You know, you don't have to agree on everything. You know, we challenge each other's perspectives and each other's beliefs and each other's way of thinking. But by doing that, we can learn from each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a place where we find hatred and anger and aggression. It's a place that we can can learn together and grow together, whether that means we come out continuing to disagree afterwards. Yeah. Just getting to know someone else and see, learning to see and feel their perspective, it in turn not only helps the LGBT community, our LGBT brothers and sisters, but it helps you, helps me. By being heard, I feel loved and I feel um, important. That's a huge part at least for me, it's just being heard. Well, thanks for being willing to be heard and, and come and talking about this. Yeah. Let's just end with uh, this thing I call, I've got good news and I've got good news. <laughs> so, <laughs> swear we both share good news. <laughs> so what's going on? Good news. Okay. This is more of a personal bit rather than a, That's I don't great. know. But the good news I have to share is, that our bodies are freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great news. <laughs> what um, do you mean? So I studied dance for my undergrad. My body is a huge tool and a very important part of my life. Are you saying for this example, as a broken man right I'm now? saying this as a broken man. Okay, <laughs> for all of you who are listening and can't see, um, just two days ago, I was mountain biking and I was too confident on one of the tracks and I careened off the side and totally smashed up my body and both of my wrists are sprained. I have this gnarly gash on my chest and bruises across my legs and though it's like frustrating that I can't move and I can't dance the way that I want to right now, because I did this happened to me and I did this to myself in a way. But the fact that my I'm still alive and breathing, the fact that my body is taking the time to heal itself so that I can continue dancing is absolutely incredible. And I think that's the good news is that our bodies awesome. can do incredible things. Our bodies are meant to experience life. That's great news. I'll just echo uh, that today is Love Lab Day, and I think that's great news and the Love Loud concert is tonight, and I think it's just a really cool thing that 
that Utah does and that the church supports and that it's just a great celebration of learning how to love people that are, are different and how to get along. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I, really, really I enjoyed it. it. I'm surprised at how little I actually shared about my life. But yeah. <laughs> you can share. This is your last, last chance. Anything else you want to throw in there? <laughs> you know, I don't have time for that. <laughs> okay, well, another time then. Okay. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you. Let's end, as we do, with a listener message. Uh, for context, she talks a little bit about the abortion episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. So if you haven't heard that, go check it out. Hello, my name is Chelsea, and I wanted to call in and say, first of all, thank you so much for pursuing this project and facilitating these discussions. Uh, my beliefs have always aligned me with the pro-life stance, and because of the way the media talks about the two sides of this issue, I had a very difficult time ever understanding how uh, a reasonable, decent person could have the opposite perspective. And so the opportunity to hear someone within my own demographic approach it so logically and reasonably and share their motivations and experiences uh, really gave me a lot to think about. And I really appreciate the more nuanced view of the issue that I've now been able to develop. And it's, um, it's changed me a little bit, and I really appreciate that. Next, I just wanted to say that I have been really saddened and, uh, you know, once again kind of had my ears perked up by the news of the shootings last Saturday in Texas and Ohio. And so I'm really looking forward to an episode, hopefully that you do Sunday, on the issue of gun control. And um, I just, I really look forward to that conversation and, and would like to hear um, some more respectful discussion about that topic because it is so emotionally charged and um, I think it's something that we really need to be addressing. Anyways, thanks again so much and you're doing a great job. Can't wait to hear more. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Elephant Dialogues. As a quick summary, I'll simply echo what M. Russell Ballard said. We need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Certainly, we must do better than we have done in the past. Going back to the parable of the elephant and the blind men, the first step in understanding truth is listening. Not every conversation needs to be or should be a debate or an attempt to fix everything. The first step is often just devoting an entire conversation to listening and understanding. This will open the door to future discussions where you can trust each other and begin to work together. Thanks again. I'm Bryson Alley, and this is The Elephant Dialogues. Subscribe, leave us a review, and join us in our experiment in better conversations. See you next week. Bye.